welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Sports. Ladies and gentlemen, it's your host, Nick, and I got the double D with me and uh, Dom and David, so uh, we're going to go ahead and jump right into our episode here. Um, Let's go ahead, and the first thing that I had for this episode, guys, and it's not like a crazy big topic, but I saw this on social media the other day, and I was just interested, since you guys are pretty big into baseball. Um, I, Russell Wilson was drafted into the MLB and he was drafted like 140 to the Rockies, but then somebody put out something like, like four guys that were drafted after him that are kind of considered, um, pretty good in baseball at this point. And, uh, Jacob deGrom, who was drafted like 272 to the Mets. You got Jock Peterson, who was drafted 352 to the Dodgers, Chris Bryant, who was drafted 546 to the Blue Jays, and then Aaron Judge, who was the AL MVP this past year, who was drafted 935 to the Athletics. So, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Do you think Russell Wilson would be as good as those guys in the MLB? We know what kind of career he's had in the NFL, but where do you think he'd rank with those guys in the MLB? It's hard to really say um, because he didn't really play baseball in terms of professionally wise. Yeah. Um, I mean, so far would be no, because you got a guy who hit six, 62 home runs, won the AL MVP, Chris Bryant, who won the 20, helped win the Chicago, helped the Chicago Cubs win the 2016 World Series. So, yeah. Let's not talk about that. I know yeah. it was a sad time. <laughs> Um, oh, that's tough because like you mentioned Degrom, who's you know uh you know first ballot Hall of Famer probably. Yeah. You mentioned other elite players. It, it it's hard for me to, you know, kind of think of what the what Russell Wilson could have been. Um, you know, he probably would have made an All Star game or two, but I don't know if he would have been, you know, elite. You know, like some of the guys that you mentioned are. Yeah, but yeah, I, think, I I still feel like he could have had a, a good career. Yeah, do you think maybe he went like I don't, I'm not saying 140 is high, but for a guy that had you know football aspirations, do you think maybe he went a little bit higher because maybe somebody was I I don't know maybe trying to be like hey like we took you pretty high you know what I mean for even though you were probably going to go to the NFL anyway trying to maybe coax him because I know Kyler Murray was drafted pretty high in, in his draft as well, too. And he still chose to go to the NFL, which I think that might have been a mistake. But um, That's what I was saying all along. But, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. I don't I mean, know. I, possible. Yeah. That'd be, um, it's just interesting. I don't know. Because I, I, I didn't – I guess I never really watched him play much baseball. But, I mean, being drafted one – I mean, I guess being drafted in that spot, that doesn't mean he was necessarily a top prospect. But – I guess people didn't really think that Jacob DeGrom or Chris Bryant or Aaron Judge were really top prospects either since they were drafted, you know, after the the top 500, but they turned out to be, you know, pretty good. So I I don't know. I mean, it's a... Baseball is one of those things where, yes, positioning in a way does matter because it affects your pay, but at the same time, it doesn't really matter. Because they have, unlike basketball or football, they have the minor league system. Yeah. So even if you're drafted above the 500s, so 500 on up, it doesn't matter if you're if you go to a decent farm system. 
you're probably going to be all right. And you maybe play a season, a couple of games in the major leagues, if you're lucky. Uh, and if you're extremely lucky, you make a career out of it. Yeah. I mean, ba- baseball is one of those sports where, especially in the draft, draft positioning doesn't really matter. You know, it, as long as you have the potential and, and the work ethic to, you know, refine your craft. I mean, you can really become anything. You, you know, someone, for example, um, Jose Ramirez of the Cleveland Guardians, I don't even think he was drafted. I think the Guardians signed him um, when he was like 17 or 18 out of the um, Dominican Republic, or um, I forgot exactly what country he's from. And he was just went straight into the, into the farm system. I don't even think he was drafted. And he's one of the best players in baseball now. Hmm. So it, it you could really find talent and develop talent anywhere. It, it really goes back towards the organization and how well they are at developing young players. Yeah. Is it, I mean, I guess like my thing too is Aaron judge being drafted like nine thirty five in that draft. Is that, is that normal for them to have like almost a thousand draft picks in a draft or like, Oh yeah. 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 You're I looking think- at almost like, I don't know, 30 rounds or so. Well, I mean, you got to think there's 30 teams, but there's also four or five rosters that they're trying to fill out because mm-hmm. you obviously have your major league squad, but then you have single A, double A, triple A. And then there's various, you know, rosters in between that. There's high A, there's low A um, mm-hmm. as well. So you got, mm-hmm. you know, four or five rosters of 25 to you know, 27 players yeah. that you're trying to fill out at a given year. That's crazy. I didn't, I mean, I, I knew, I knew there was like, I knew there was single A, triple A, you know, double A, those kinds of things. I just didn't, I didn't realize they had another like two teams that they had put together. That's kind of crazy. Oh yeah. I mean, the, 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 I guess the, the farm system within baseball is kind of unmatched. I don't know if I've seen other than maybe like the European soccer, you know, I yeah, that's probably the only equivalent yeah. to it is the European club system or whatever it is. Yeah, I know the mm-hmm. MLS is kind of, and I guess I guess hockey is similar too, where they have like their own minor league and farm system, and they have their own like where you get your you know fifteen, sixteen U teams, like um, similar to to soccer or whatever. And because I know I I know the MLS is doing that now, um, where they have like their their under eighteen team, and then they have their um crew two and then you know, or like the crew does they have like their under 18 team their crew two and then they have their main crew team or whatever so speaking of the mls i sent you guys a message earlier but with an article referring to cleveland it looks yep, like- yeah i saw that um announcement for the u.s game today yeah it I, looks I, like they're adding a cleveland uh, mls team do they already know what, like the name is and everything for it or no they're not launching until 2025 but it's not like the main MLS, it's the step below the MLS. Oh, okay. So, like, so, but they, they could eventually be promoted into the MLS. So, that's pretty cool, though. Well, they're going to be, yeah, they're going to be independent. So, they're not going to be affiliated with any current MLS team. Yeah. Well, I, they'll, I think they'll, I think they'll just, great. they'll be what they'll probably be in whatever, like, the, what FC Cincinnati was in before they got promoted into the league. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's a great thing for Cleveland. I think it's a great thing for uh, just soccer in the, in the region in general. You know, the, the people over- overlook this area, but Cleveland or soccer or football is pretty big here. Um, so now you give a legitimate, you know, professional team in the area. So now all this talent that, 
you know, we see develop in, in the local colleges, uh, they have an opportunity to play professionally here instead of going elsewhere to play pro. Do you, so do, does, does Cleveland like really, I'm not, I don't want to say care, but do they really follow the crew or is it just like, cause I don't, I don't know if like, cause I guess putting a team in Cleveland because now we'll have three, you know what I mean? If you're going to play professional soccer in Ohio, now you're going to have three, you're going to have one in Cleveland, one in Columbus, one in Cincinnati. Like does, is, is that going to be successful? Because is there a ton of people that follow the, the crew in Cleveland or would a lot of people be like, okay, cool. Now we have a team. We'll just follow them. I think it's more so the latter. I mean, you know, like I said, soccer is, is pretty big here in general. Um, you know, mostly you follow like the big European clubs, um, the crew, not so much, I guess, just because, you know, you know, yes, Columbus is in Ohio, but like, it's, you know, it's not Cleveland. Um, so having a team here that we could root for, I think they'll definitely be a, a good following for it. I just, I just didn't know if it was like, cause like for, you know, for basketball, like I feel like most of Ohio is Cavs fans, you know what I mean? Cause we only have one NBA team in Ohio. <clears throat> when you talk about like hockey, there's only one hockey team, you know, in Ohio it's the blue Jackets. So I feel like most of Ohio is blue jackets fans. Um, and obviously the the monsters are up in in Cleveland, so you, you guys have that up there. Um, so that yeah, that, I mean, that kind of helps out with that that fandom, I think too. But I just didn't I know think, since since Columbus really only had the only MLS team in Ohio for the longest time until FC and Cincinnati came around. I just didn't know if that was like the same thing across the state where the crew was the team of Ohio, and now that there's going to be two other teams. What does that do for fandom wise? You know what I mean? I mean, I think right now, you know, if, if you were forcing people to pick an MLS team to be a fan of, it would be Columbus just because it's the closest team and, you know, they're in Columbus. But I, I wouldn't say it's like a diehard fan base. Yeah. It's not, it's not like, it's not like the people of Columbus who love the crew. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Just kind of like a, I guess, situational fandom. <laughs> so, yeah. It'll be cool. I mean, that would be that would be fun. I mean, one day if, if if they end up being in the MLS and you have the the three of them here, and I know I know they make a pretty big deal about the game between Columbus and Cincinnati every year now. I think they call it um oh what is it called? It's like Hell on Wheels or something. I don't know. It's something fun. Like they mm. like the Cincinnati the they call their like their stadium or something something fun like. It's something I don't know, but it's pretty cool. So you got the the Reds and the Guardians, which it's called the Battle of Ohio, even though it's been kind of like a little lopsided, a tiny bit towards the Guardians as of late. Well, no, I'm, yeah, I'm just talking about soccer in general. I forget what they called the their their rivalry, but I mean it's cool. We're gonna have, I mean we're gonna have a ton of professional teams in Ohio, so it'll be fun. I mean I don't know. The only other thing, the only other, I guess, professional franchise I could see them adding to Ohio in the future at this point now would be like a WNBA team if they ever decide to. Because I just don't think, I don't think another NFL team will come to Ohio because I don't think Columbus would, I I just don't see them expanding to Columbus. No, football-wise, nothing can compete with the Buckeyes. Yeah, I don't don't see them expanding another NBA team in Ohio because I don't think Cincinnati would do well with one and. I mean, they could put one in Columbus, but it's so close to to Cleveland. I just don't know. 
And I don't I don't know if Columbus is a big enough market. I mean, I guess it would be, but I, I don't know. There's 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 other there's other places that would be a better fit for an NBA expansion team than Columbus would be. Um so I just like I said, I don't I don't see any other kind of unless they put another hockey team in Ohio, but I don't see the NHL expanding anytime soon. So I don't not know. not in Ohio. I, I think the one thing about Columbus that really holds it back with a lot of professional sports is nothing can compete with Ohio State. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't matter. You can, the NFL won't be able to compete with Ohio State in Columbus. The NBA won't be able to compete with Ohio State in Columbus. You know, so you're really left with baseball, and I don't think Columbus is a big enough uh, baseball market. You already got okay. the Clippers. They and Columbia, yeah, we like we love our Clippers here. For I, you, you could go to a freaking Tuesday game, man, and the stadium is full. It's so, it's such, it's such a weird, it's such a weird environment. You'd be like, what the? I came to this game because I thought no one was gonna be here, <laughs> but there's a ton of people here. It's so weird. I mean, it's, it's a cool thing, but yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, if you look at baseball, you already have a team in Cleveland and Cincinnati, so yeah. I, I don't think uh, baseball would want to put three teams in Ohio. So really, you know, the only sports that you're left with that you could have professional teams in Columbus are again soccer and hockey, and you already have that. Yeah, and I've said this before. I think that, with Columbus, you're you're looking at two and a half, three hours to both, basically. Yeah. No, I mean, I've, right. I've always yeah, you're in the middle. I've I've always said this too. I I think Columbus is a is a really good like, and I don't want to be like, I guess rude to the other sports, but like. But like B sports, you know what I mean? Obviously, like I think our main sports within America is is uh, football, basketball and baseball. I think everything else after that is kind of a, a tier below when it comes to the amount of people that watch it and support it. Um, not necessarily saying that nobody supports those things, but I just think there's there's a tier system. I think Columbus is like a perfect spot for that, like second tier whether that's like because we have hockey, we have the only hockey we have. We, we had the only soccer team for a long time. Um, you know, we have Ohio State football, which is not a, a tier two in college football. You know, they're consistently competing for a national championship every single year. So I think that, like Dom said, that's it's hard for another football team to compete with that. And I just think the Cavs are are too big and the fandom's too strong in Ohio to put another NBA team in Ohio, even if you were to put one in Cincinnati to make it far away. Um far enough away i guess i just don't think it would make sense and i've said this a lot i mean i probably talked to guys ears off about it but i do think columbus would be a perfect place for a wnba team if they ever decided to expand their league and put one here because i i don't because there is no basketball in columbus and then there is no wnba team in ohio and i think it would be a perfect spot um and like i said columbus loves their like second tier sports I guess, and they they support the shit out of it. So, I mean, they literally saved the crew from leaving. So, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. They were going to be the Houston crew. <laughs> no, they were going to move to Austin. Oh, Austin, Austin yeah, that's what it is. Austin ended up getting a team anyways. Um, an- another league that I think would do well in Columbus would be like the XFL or USFL. Yeah. Give, you, give, you a, give, give you a pro football team that – it's not going to compete with the Buckeyes because they don't play the same time of year. Yeah. And plus a lot of the Buckeyes that, you know, are not top of the roster and really not going to have long NFL careers. It gives them an opportunity to stay in Columbus and play for the yeah. XFL. And they could totally play in, in, you know, in the shoe in the off season. So 
Nah, I, I think a better fit with them would for them would be like the Crew Stadium, just because it's it's smaller. Yeah, the and XFL's they, not going to want to put a team in a hundred thousand seat stadium. I don't. I don't, I don't think they could play. I don't think they can play in the new one because I don't think the field is big enough. They'd have to play it map for you. But which is fine. They, they, they'd yeah. give that. So map map free still like twenty thousand or whatever eighteen thousand or something like that. So it'd still be it wouldn't be too big. It was not like you're in a hundred and ten thousand seat stadium in the shoe. Yeah, but yeah, I here here's my thing with the the XFL and the USFL. Do you think at some point, like maybe five years down the road, if both leagues are still profitable and successful? Do you think we get like a a merger like we got in the AFL and um what NFL when they merged at that that time to create the NFL? You know what I mean? Um, I don't think so. Um, just because I know the XFL has already partnered with the NFL a little bit. Um, I know they're doing like some you know rule testing and and trying out new ideas that the NFL has. It, yeah. it really depends on if the USFL is okay with joining onto that or if they want to stay independent. I know they're pretty set on staying independent right now. And if, if both leagues are profitable, you know, what incentive does the USFL have to join that? Mm-hmm. I, I think it, I think it'd be a fun, like, even, even if they don't become one league, even if like, maybe three or four years down the road, once they're a little bit more established and they have some more consistency, it'd be fun if like both the champions of each league played each other or something like that. You know what I mean? I yeah. think that cause I, I was thinking about that. I thought that'd be pretty fun. Like, I know it's, and it'd be, you could try to make the rules a little bit similar for that game. You know what I mean? Or I don't know. So. I, I do think long run for the, the, viability for both leagues i think it would be best long term to kind of merge mm-hmm. um just because the amount of money that they would have and viewership that they would draw obviously yeah. you would be combining both of them um it, it would make it a lot easier to i guess make i don't think they'll try to compete with the nfl because i think that's just um that's that's just how you die as a you know, smaller football league trying to make it in the U.S. Um, but it, it definitely, I think it would increase interest just because there's more teams. Um, and I think the product would be a little bit better. Yeah. And you could you could still do like, because there's not, there's only what, like eight teams in each league at this point. So, right. I mean, even, I, even even if you added like two more teams to each league and you had, you know, one side, you know, one side of the league was the um, XFL and the other one was the USFL and they did like a 10 game season or something like that. And then a four a four week playoff where basically you just whoever was the best on either side met in the championship. I think that would be that would be good enough for spring into summer football. You know what I mean? I don't think you would need much more than that. And I think it would be competitive at, at a certain point. So I do think that they would have to move some teams. Cause I, I think if they were to merge, you'd have a lot of teams that were you know, pretty close, if not sharing the same city. Um, yeah. So I, I think you definitely have to move some teams around. I think maybe putting a team in, in Columbus would be good. Um, but I think the sweet spot for any of these leagues is going to be those smaller mid-market cities um, mm-hmm. that they've kind of put a lot of teams in already. 
Yeah. And and that would be because it would give some that would give people like a, a football team to root for. And I don't know. Definitely be interesting to see how they build up. I think I think if anything, probably the XFL seems like if they're going to connect themselves with the NFL, then they might be a little bit more successful because maybe the NFL sees what the other leagues are, you know, their other professional sports leagues are doing around them in their farm systems and minor league systems. And maybe they try to use the XFL as like a, a spring league just to kind of test out talent, you know, in between seasons and see where they develop and stuff like that. And then maybe bring them in because we've seen like PJ Walker, you know, be able to come into the NFL and he's not like been crazy successful, but he's been, I think better than what people thought he might be at this point. So I don't know. Definitely interesting. Um, What's next? Let's see here. Let's talk a little bit of basketball and then we'll get into Dom's favorite sport of soccer here. <laughs> um, So I saw the report that the Hawks were open to trading John Collins. So I don't know if you guys saw that or not. And I, do you, do you think the Hawks should get rid of John Collins or do you think that, uh, or I guess where, where do you think he'd be a good fit for? Um, I mean, I don't think that they'd be crazy to trade him. Yeah, no. It's not the most ridiculous thing in the world, but at the same time, you can make an argument to go back and forth because they're doing pretty successful right at the moment. And like I said before with the Cavs, don't break something that isn't already broken. Yeah. No, but if if you can get an upgrade, um, hold on. Let, they play the Cavs tonight. Let me bring up his stats. Um, he had 16 points, uh, two turnovers, one block, two assists. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's not bad. That's probably pretty average for what he's been been getting. Um, I mean, he's not he's he's not an all star like caliber player, but he's not a bad player either. I think he's like he's just he he has he has certain games or certain stretches where he plays to that all star caliber, but for the most part, he sits right there in that like he's just a really good solid NBA player. You know what I mean? I, and that's yeah. not that's not a bad thing. I just don't think I don't think trading him is gonna get you something crazy in return enough to replace what he's giving you. You know what I mean? Unless, unless you're just thinking about, unless you're just thinking about, Hey, let me, let me ship him off somewhere for picks. And then maybe hopefully I get in the lottery this year and I can steal, you know, Victor Wimbanyama somehow, but I just, I I think with them, it's do they want to re-sign him? What is he asking? And is what he's asking what they're willing to pay? You know, if he's asking for, you know, quite you know quite a bit of money, you know, I, I don't think the Hawks would be willing to to give him, you know, anywhere near a max deal for fifteen points, two rebounds a game. Yeah. So they're probably thinking, okay, we're not he's not in our long term plans. So what's the point of holding on to him when we can flip that asset and get, you know, free up cap space and get you know, other assets in return that we can actually use to build out the team how we want to. I just don't, I just don't know where you send them. Like I, who, who would really want him or who could even give up anything good for him at this point? You know what I mean? Cause the, the teams that probably could give up something decent for him are still either in rebuild mode or they're, 
they really like the young guys that they have at this point, and they want to keep their picks to keep adding to it. And John Collins isn't a guy that you give up picks for and think, okay, cool, he's going to put us over the edge for a young team. You know what I mean? So I, I think the Lakers would probably be a team that that you know they don't really hold on to assets. They'll just bring in anyone that they think could, you know, maybe change the culture there. Um, and, you know, maybe they see him as a guy that, you know, could step into power forward if they, you know, deal Anthony Davis. Uh, I don't see them dealing Anthony Davis, but if they did, they'll at least his, have his his stock is is pr- I think it's pretty yeah. high right now. Um, and that's and that's that's why like I I know that you guys probably thought I was crazy in that like whole trade simulator thing I did a, a couple weeks yeah. ago was sending him away, but I well the, I think I think the Lakers to- they're in a prime position to kind of reset around LeBron James and not that I don't like Anthony Davis, but he just is not reliable. And even if I guess well, even no, if he's healthy for the rest of his career, but I just I don't I wouldn't take the chance. I think my biggest problem with the trade thing that you did is I don't think Anthony Davis has any trade value right now, so they're not going to be able to get anything in return, and they're just going to have to take on a bunch of bad contracts to make the money work. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't think so. That's that's the thing too. Is like if people don't realize, like if you if you ship off Russell Westbrook's contract, which is forty one million dollars, they're pretty much under, like they're pretty close to being like even on cap. You're not going to be able to get anything. Like it, you, I think the the Lakers at this point are just going to have to buy out his contract. Because no one is going to trade anything. Well, for no, him. it's a it's it's a salary dump. So they 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 have they have to package him with those two first round picks that they have, and then send him somewhere, and hopefully somebody gives you know them something in return. That's and they they sh- they should have pulled the trigger on the Pacers trade that the Pacers the Pacers literally said we will give you Buddy Heald and Miles Turner for two first round picks and Russell Westbrook, and then they would have bought out Russell Westbrook and said have a good day. And the Lakers were like, "No, we're gonna keep him," and that was like, that was probably the that was the bad that was a bad decision. And it's not, and I mean, Westbrook's played pretty well off the bench. Like he's averaging eighteen points a game. You know what I mean? His turnovers are way down. He's way more productive off the bench, running the second team. He's still getting like twenty eight minutes a game or whatever. So it's not like it's not like he's playing anything less. He's just not playing with LeBron because you can't have a guy who's that ball dominant play with LeBron unless it, I, the only time that I've seen it work that way is when him and Kyrie played together, but they played so much isolation ball that it was almost kind of boring to watch at times, but at times it was really fun because Kyrie did some crazy shit. So, but other than that, everybody else he's played with has been able to play off ball or they've been able to pass back and forth and make crazy you know, crazy stuff happened. Like when he played with Dwayne Wade, they made some crazy, they had some crazy like images, whether that's the one where LeBron's, you know, yamming it down and Dwayne Wade's behind him after he passed it off the backboard, like I or in, underneath him. So I, I don't know. It's definitely, definitely well, I, interesting. I mean, going back to the Lakers, like, do you want to try to build around LeBron who's 38 and who's only going to be in the league for a couple more years? I, I don't really see that as a smart, you know, long-term move for them. 
If you're if you're if your goal is to win championships, yes, because LeBron gives you the best opportunity to win championships. The problem, the problem is, is what I think what they thought was going to happen when they went out and they got Russell Westbrook is this is what I think this is what they thought was going to happen is they were going to be able to sit there and they were going to be able to load manage LeBron and Westbrook was going to be able to step into that role and run the offense and be efficient. And do the pick and roll with Anthony Davis that LeBron was doing. And they were going to be, that was going to be seamless so that LeBron didn't have to play 82 games a year, or didn't have to play almost 40 minutes a game for them to win games. And then LeBron's longevity could go even, you know, even longer, which is what they wanted. But well, it would have been but, smarter if they traded for a younger point guard. Or, or if they would have brought in um, DeMar DeRozan like they were supposed to. Like, that's that's the thing too is like they they literally they had the Demar Derozan trade it was ready to be signed like Demar Derozan thought he was going to be a Laker, and I think that would have been I think he would have been able to be that player that they wanted from Westbrook and he he has the ability to score too off the dribble like it just Westbrook is so inefficient it's not that he's a a bad NBA player he's just super inefficient so I I don't it just didn't he work also out can't that pass way. to save his life. He's just so, too turnover prone. I don't know. So the problem is now, now either either you just ride this out and then try to fix it next season, or you blow you blow it up. But but like we had the conversation a, a couple of weeks ago, you can't you can't trade LeBron because there's nothing that there's nothing that a team can give you back in assets that would be you know adequate without blowing up that other team completely. And then LeBron's not going to go to want to go to another team that's completely blown up. So. It just doesn't, you know what I mean. It doesn't make any sense. To, so you you would you would you would have you would almost have to build around LeBron if you were to reset the whole roster, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I until LeBron retires, what we see with the Lakers now is, I think, what they're going to be for the rest of his career. And mm-hmm. it, it, in all honesty, I don't think he's too upset about that because he's, you know, pretty focused on building his you know, business empire outside of basketball and trying to become an actor. So she just think he's just, he's just having fun at this point. Like, I think he's just having fun at this point. I think right now he cares more about his personal accolades because he already has four championships. He knows that he's not going to be going anywhere with the, with this team. And he knows that it's going to be really hard for them to flip the roster into a contender. He, he knows the, the, the situation, the basketball situation that he's built for himself. Because let's face it, he's got he got himself into the situation mm-hmm. by you know demanding that they trade for Anthony Davis by demanding that they get Russell Westbrook. He's in this situation now because of him. I mean, I, I think he's. I don't, more, I don't think I, I don't think the Anthony Davis like in in theory the idea of having Anthony Davis on your team and trading for him wasn't a bad idea. It's just he hasn't in been the able short to. Term, no, but in the long term, like look, we, we talk about it all the time off camera. Look at what this team could have been if they would have kept the young talent that they would have had. You don't think that Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, and whoever else they traded to the Pelicans could have, you know, kind of offset the the decline that we're starting to see in LeBron a little bit. No, it'd have been it'd have been a like fun it, team. Yeah. It would have been it would have been a much better team. You would have had players that aren't as injury prone. We you know we've seen Lonzo be pretty injury prone, but they could have kept someone like Alex Caruso that is a pretty good player in his own right. And Brandon Ingram definitely could have, you know, learned under LeBron a little bit longer and could have taken the team over. 
Yeah, they could they could have kept Alex Caruso. They could have kept you know Taylor Horton Tucker. They, I, I if, I if they would if they would have kept the young core, the team definitely would have been in the playoffs last year, if not a damn near a top seed in the West. I mean, even you, you look at you look at what Brandon Ingram became last year. You yeah. you tell me LeBron paired with with that version of Brandon Ingram and a healthy Lonzo Ball like that's. That's a damn good team. Even even like, think they, even think if they still held on to like Julius Randle or Josh Hart, like Julius Randle's averaging nineteen points a game and almost ten rebounds a game right now. Like I'm not saying that he's you know the greatest player in the NBA, but he's still a productive player in the NBA. He's still a good a good NBA player. So I mean, you're you you would you would have a good rotate. It's just LeBron's not. I, I get that he's not patient. He he wants to win, and I guess in theory. It worked because they won a championship, but now they're dealing with the the end of it. And he traded one championship for potentially two or three. I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't know if he wouldn't have been able to win one. I guess, I guess at this point, if you still had all those guys together and they were all healthy, then I guess maybe. Yeah, he wouldn't have won in twenty twenty, but he damn sure could have won in twenty twenty one. And this would be a, a top team in the West right now, like. If the Lakers would have kept their young talent, they would be a top top three team in the West right now, easily. I mean, you, you look at this roster, you have LeBron, who's making $44 million. You have Anthony Davis. We all know what Russell Westbrook is making. And then you have Patrick Beverly making $13 million. You know, everyone else on the roster, you have Troy Brown Jr., Thomas Bryant, Chris Kendrick Nunn. Like that, that's the only other player of note on this team other than the Dennis Schroeder. So like there, hey, there's put some respect on, on Matt Ryan's name. Okay. He's leading the team in three point percentage. All right. Okay. Yeah. And they're the worst three point shooting team in the history of the NBA. <laughs> they're so they're like, the worst, but he's like, <laughs> he has like a 40% three point shot. It's insane. Still, LeBron in a way shot himself in his own foot. Are we here? Let me. I I know that I know that he signs off on all this stuff, but like, I don't know. I mean, at some point, somebody's got to be like, we're not doing that. Like Rob Rob Polinka should have been like Russell Westbrook. Really, I don't know about that. Like, why? And maybe and I think I think that goes to the fact that I don't think Rob Polinka really knows basketball. I just think he knows names and he. He's just a businessman. So I, I, I mean, the, the, in my opinion, the fact that it, it seems like LeBron's kind of checked out, only cares about his personal accolades at this point, and is, is just riding off into the sunset, and is okay with you know the team being five and ten, and really not having a, a good roster for the past two years, it, in my opinion, disqualifies him from being considered the greatest of all time. Do you you, you think Michael Jordan would have put up with this shit? What is he supposed to do? Don't trade away all your young assets and don't don't trade away all your good assets for a washed up Russell Westbrook mm. and uh Anthony Day to Day Davis. Like he we all knew that he was Carmelo Anthony too. We yeah, didn't trade anything Carmelo for Carmelo Anthony. Anthony. It, they just brought in Carmelo so, Anthony. Okay, yeah, but why would why would you bring him in in the first place when you could have brought in for what they were paying him, they could have brought in two players. He was he 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 was making the veteran minimum. Like they 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 that, that, that's still that's still wasted money that they could have put towards a player that could have been more productive. Mm-hmm. Like, the, I know I he know wasn't, he 
He wasn't unproductive. Like, he came off the bench and was a pretty productive player off the bench for them. I mean, it's the same as, like, Dwight Howard. They had him on the veteran minimum, and he was, like, he was crucial in them winning a championship the year that he was there. I know that he, when he did the second stint, it wasn't the same. But, I mean, listen, I don't... I don't think I don't think this I don't think this is what disqualifies LeBron from the greatest the greatest of all time conversation. I think that's a little dramatic, but like, I mean, I, the, the fact that he, it, it seems like he's more focused on outside of basketball matters. He's 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 he's, ma- he's making money. The thing the thing too is I don't think like. It's not like don't don't think that Michael Jordan when he was playing wasn't focused on shit that was outside of basketball. Like no, but that wasn't the his dude. The dude was building like his own brand outside of basketball, and he was he was do he did he did you know movies. He was in Hollywood just like LeBron. It's not it's not it's not just a LeBron thing. Kobe did the same thing. Like Magic did the same thing. Like these. It's not it's not an exclusive thing to LeBron James for them to build their brand outside of basketball or build, even even in basketball. It's not an exclusive thing for basketball. Every professional sports athlete does it when they get to a certain point and they're a household name like these guys are, they build their name outside of basketball because they yeah, know I that, that at but some it's point not the, they're going they're going to be done playing whatever sport they're going to be done playing and yes the money that they made in that sport should be enough to last them a long time. But if they want to continue to build up generational wealth for their family for the long run, they need they need to build their brand outside of basketball, too. Yeah, I, I, I get that. But I don't, the, it, I don't it, think it's that should, not their main focus, though. It seems I don't like I don't think I don't think it's his main focus either. Dude, he's fucking almost 40 years old and he's still he's still averaging over 26 points a game. Like I think somebody's got to score the points, even on a bad team. Somebody's got to score the points. But it doesn't. It doesn't and matter. Right he's, he's still. He's he's still doing it. He's still competing at a super high level at his age, and I think that the the longevity of it has has to be taken into account. I understand that. I, I don't think five and ten is competing. Mm. Just because he just because he's playing valuable minutes or playing a lot of minutes. And putting up well, what do you, you know, what do you want him to do just to just to turn it in and be like okay well I'm done for this season no don't don't but you can't don't but you can't together, you can't put together a shit roster and just be like oh yep that's okay I'm just gonna deal with this and but it's it's not I'll, it's I'll, not I'll all on him he's a basketball player he's not the general manager he can go yeah, in there okay, and be like yeah I want... know let, let's not let's act dumb we all know LeBron's the GM. He's not though. He can he can go in there and be like, I want this guy, this guy, and this guy, and make it happen. But ultimately, he's not the one in the room making the deals. It's Rob Palinka. Rob Palinka went to Washington and said, "We want Russell Westbrook. What do you want?" And Washington said, "Give me all these guys and these picks." And Rob Palinka could have been like, "No, that's too much." And the Washington would have been like, "Yeah, you're right." And they would have taken less because he's he wasn't worth all that shit. But Rob Palinka was like, "Yeah, sure," because Rob Palinka is a shitty GM because he doesn't know basketball. He just he just he, knows he, business. He did what LeBron wanted him to do. Yeah, but he didn't have to give up all the assets for Russell Westbrook like that. You 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 could have kept Kuzma. You didn't need to give up Kuzma for for Russell Westbrook. That's insane. Like he wasn't he's he wasn't that good in Washington, and he wasn't that good when he was in Houston. And then the last couple of years. With the Thunder, he wasn't that good either. Like he wasn't that efficient either. So it's not it's not anything new that anybody was seeing. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what I'm saying. Like I get I get that everybody wants to put it on LeBron because because of his caliber, they go to him and be like, "Who do you want? Who do you want us to go get?" Sure, okay. 
but they're they're the ones who are making the trades. Nobody nobody's sitting there and blaming him for the Kyrie trade because he didn't make that shit. Because that was the owner who decided to do that without without having a GM of somebody who knew who knew basketball, who knew what Kyrie was worth. And the Cavs should have got a ton more in return for that instead of instead of Jay Crowder and an injured Isaiah Thomas. That's insane. So no, I, I get what you're saying that, but at the same time, I don't I don't think that this is what disqualifies him from being the greatest of all time. I just think that that Michael Jordan in general is is probably still considered the greatest of all time. I think when LeBron's done, we can look at the totality of his career and see what that is. But I you know what I mean? LeBron is gonna be top ten in almost every stat that matters. So whether or not that matters to some people, I don't know. Whether the championships matter more to some people more to people than that is what it is, then then Bill Russell would be the best of all time. Or you know, I just I, I don't know. It just depends on what matters more to people to than other situations. Anyways, before we continue on with your guys' circling circling argument, <laughs> let's continue on. Um, the next the next thing that I had for basketball is I don't know. Have you guys? Uh, I know we went back and forth. Whatever, David, shut up. <laughs> um, I, have you guys? What do you guys think about uh, Shea Gildress Alexander's start to his season so far? Um, pretty impressive. Really impressive, actually. Yeah, I think I think he's flown under the radar because I know I know people have sat there, you know, like Donovan Mitchell's averaging over thirty points per game to start the season. Um, Luca is doing the same, but but Shea he's he's averaging just as many points as like I think Donovan Mitchell is at this point in the season, and like he's I know the Thunder aren't gonna win a championship this year, but um. But do you think he should be in the early MVP conversation, or I think so? Yeah, I, absolutely. Mm. Well, let me let me bring let me bring up his stats because I, I was actually just looking at his stats. Yeah, um, I, saw, I saw like this. There was like an image of his like last ten games or something like that. That I he's had. averaging thirty one point one points a game, four point six rebounds, five point nine assists. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely. And you know who I bet really wishes they had him right now? The Clippers. The Clippers, yeah. <laughs> or not not the Clippers. Yeah, yeah, the Clippers. Yeah. Again, the, another example of teams giving up on young talent that like we all knew was going to have potential. He had a great rookie year, but they they trade away young talent that is going to develop into something great for stars right now that are on the decline of their career, but because they're big names, they trade them away to try to win right now. And in the Clippers case, it's kind of blown up in their face. Why right now? It's the thing. Think about like this, like the big market teams, the NBA don't, they don't learn like the Knicks, the Lakers, the Clippers, um, at the, probably those three in general, like they do exactly what you said they're doing and they trade all their assets away to a small market team like the Lakers did with the with the Pelicans and the Pelicans are you know with Zion and BI like they're looking to be a a formidable team in the future and then they have the Lakers first round pick this year and if the Lakers continue on this path that they're on and they end up in the lottery what happens when the Lakers end up with the first overall pick 
and the the Pelicans have that. And then now the Pelicans get Victor Wembanyama, and they pair him with Zion and Bi. And yeah, uh, again, it's, it, and that would that would make all of the trades that the Lakers have done the last couple of years, trading away all of their assets for big names right now, because that's what sells tickets and that's what sells jerseys. Mm-hmm. Like that, that 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 just makes the trades look even worse. Mm-hmm. Like the, the trades already look kind of bad because of what those assets have already developed into. But if you pass up. If, if you miss out on a talent be, like Victor Wambayana because of your short-sightedness, like, mm-hmm. dude, like that, that's just bad. Well, and think, and I think this goes back to my point. When you have a, when you have a GM who has like basketball, like they're smart in basketball and they understand basketball and they make good decisions. Like, I mean, look at right here in Ohio with the Cavs bringing in, um, what Jonathan Allen, and that trade, Jared Allen. or sorry, Jared Allen, and that trade, phenomenal. And then the contract that he got is not insane twenty million dollars a year. That's not a crazy contract, uh-huh. and, he's, and he's, then, basically, he's basically outplaying it now. And then the Donovan Mitchell trade, like we really didn't give up. I, I would have loved to keep Laurie Markkinen, but at the end of the day, Donovan Mitchell is especially uh, since he's doing phenomenal in Utah too. He's I yeah, I but, do, but what we what we got in. Donovan Mitchell is exactly what this team needed. Yes. We didn't need a seven foot power forward that can shoot mid range shots. We are, we already have a, a couple well, of those. He can shoot threes though. He's okay. honestly, he's, he's flourished as, as, as a, as a three, like he, he can play the three really well. And that's, yeah, but he doesn't give you what Donovan Mitchell gives you. No, I'm not saying Donovan Mitchell is a bona fide superstar. The Cavs haven't had a bona fide superstar since LeBron, you know, left. And well, also that, another, you know, to to you know keep praising the Cavaliers here, they're a team that they know. Yes, they, they know they're not a free agent destination, but they drafted young talent and they saw through their development. Mm-hmm. Look at Darius Garland; he went from having one of the worst rookie seasons ever to making the All Star team last year, the clear leader of the of the team last year, and he's one of the better young point guards in the league. Look at Evan Mobley, what he was his rookie year and what he's developing into. Jared Allen was a young asset that the Nets gave up on. Look at what he's developed into. Like I mean, even even yeah. the role players for the Cavs that they that they've kept around and developed. Like yeah. Chetty, Chetty is a really good, you know, off the bench NBA player. You have um like you Dean Wade. That, well, Love Love just decided to play basketball again. I don't really give any credit to the Cavs. I think Love was just upset because he was on a shitty Cavs team and then when they actually started now they're, now they're good again now they're good again so he's like okay cool I'm gonna play <laughs> so like well and you know what I'm glad he did because last year he resurrected his career and he he became the the veteran presence that we all wanted him to be when he yeah. originally signed his his extension and I think I think he's a good off the bench asset and I I wouldn't be mad if they keep him around for a little bit longer once his contract is up. Obviously, he shouldn't get the same deal that he had, but I I wouldn't be mad if they kept him around and and he was a part of the team because I think with him and when uh, Ricky Rubio comes back, like those guys, those guys are good veteran leaders to come off the bench and and even be in the locker room and help those guys out. And I I don't know, but. Yeah, it's just it's it's interesting when you have a a good GM who understands basketball and makes good decisions, and I think that your your franchise is is a lot better for it. And the Cavs are in a super good spot, and maybe some of these big market teams like 
like the Knicks, the Knicks didn't trade for um like they they tried to trade for Donovan Mitchell, but they they were very hard pat on not giving up RJ Barrett. And I think that was a very good decision because they're I think they're starting to see if we like you said, if we develop our youth and we, you know, um oh what's the word I'm thinking of? Invest if we invest in our youth, then then hopefully at some point that'll that'll you know pay us back in tenfold. So I don't know. We'll find out someday. Yeah. Any other basketball talk before we move on? Not really. I mean, you guys pretty much covered it all. <laughs> David, shut up. <laughs> I know you're a little like these guys <laughs> talked forever. One, one episode itself of me and Dom just arguing about LeBron. All right. <laughs> that was a small part of the episode. I know, right? 